everybody praise the Lord and said amen this morning. Glory. Praise the Lord. You can be seated. Okay, son, let's come in. We got a baby dedication this morning. It's good to be in the house of the Lord today. Thank each one of you for coming because if I, when I get through this, I'll probably get my mind on the word and forget to tell you how happy we are to have you here. A preacher loves young families like this. I tell the story every time. We sit down and tell it. And five years, you're not going to have no children. We're going to build our house, and we're going to do this. And I said, well, things have a way of happening, and we've had one, what, ever once a year? <laughs> so we got, what, two more to go? or This is it. Three's a good number, right? Full house. That's good. All right, let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Just go ahead and hold the child this morning. Father, we thank you for your grace and goodness. We thank you for this child that you have given this family. Also given this opportunity and the responsibility to raise the child in the fear of the Lord. We pray that you will bless them, anoint them, give them revelation. Give them those things which they need to provide. And we ask your protection upon them in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. Baby done okay? Yes. Mother done okay? Yes. All right, Lord bless you. Thank you. Amen. See if I can get the sound just a little bit different. Well, happy Mother's Day. Billy and Judy, good to see you from the Boot Hill. Brother, sister back uh, once again from us. What you said, you lived 108 miles from us. Is that right, Brother Sharp? 108 miles. Is that close to West Plains then? How close to West Plains are you? Three miles. Well, I used to live right there in Thayer. We started a brown shoe company factory there many years ago. We lived there for a little while. And uh, that's a good place to be from. It's a nice place. We enjoyed living. I didn't mean that, that the way it sounds. You've got to learn my sense of humor. I don't have any really, but it comes out kind of caustic sometimes. And I apologize for seemingly coming across... Uh, like my mother, bless her heart, <laughs> 99 years old, she tested positive, but she said, well, I'll be all right, which she said that for 99 years, so she probably got a one or two, probably three more to go, because she wants to break a record. I think her mother and her cousin, someone lived to be 102, and she wants to be the oldest one in the area, so everybody will remember her, and bless God, I just hope that she gets her heart's desire, amen. So we pray for her this morning, and she's in a nursing home, and some of them has basically uh, been sick and taken out of the nursing home, but we pray for each one of those. Um, we're on the subject this morning, and basically I told my wife, looking back, we were about 40 years ahead of our time as far as preaching. And then I got to thinking, well, we're not 40 years ahead of our time. We were in a time cycle of God. Then we seen that God reached out, took time in his hand, as the prophet said. And it would stand still until a generation of what he called the Pentecostals died out. And it would start just like you never skipped a beat. You start out all over again. So I find that we're basically now 
under the condition and the situation that we preached almost 40 years ago in the boot hill, done all the teaching for years, we have arrived at that stage that we look forward to and the prophet pointed us to uh, in the, we use one word and we call it the question we're on this morning, why, why the squeeze? Here are little ministers preaching on the squeeze, their persecution, and trying to scare people through the years. But he only used the word squeeze one time in reference to a time when the third pull, which many considered to be the spoken word, would come into full manifestation. He worded that the fullness of the third pull that you have seen in a minor way will become in its fullness of its presence. He said it's been expressed. You know that it's here. You know what it is. But most people did not know what it, what it was. The third pull was basically the opening of the Word and the revelation that God, the Word, was here. He was here to do something. And he sent a prophet to tell us what he was here to do. And people rejected that prophet. So like God always has, He withdrew the prophet, put us in this waiting period of time of filtering out, and now then the filtering of that Pentecostal mindset or that the people, I'll put it that way, the age has drifted out, and during this time of period of this wilderness wandering, He called it the teaching reign. He called it a teaching period where you will only be reminded of what I'm saying and we said basically two schools of thought come out of that. One school went to Pentecostal conduct and order. The other school went to teaching of the Scripture. And there was a separation of the mindset and the message. When I first started out, I started out more into the deliverance, the preaching, casting out devils and those things that Brother Branham told us that the church should be doing. But then as we went along and began to receive the revelation of the Word and begin to teach, we found out that those things begin to diminish and you begin to be rejected from the churches and was completely shut out. So I am not a teacher, but it is only left to us to pastor and to teach because that's what's available. I believe in this last month we have crossed a line, and that line is from the voice of the archangel or the shout. The voice of the archangel of the trump of God, that is a process to complete the rapture. And we have now crossed the line and moved from the shout. And we've been through the voice of the archangel, the teaching. And now we're entering into that phase called the trump of God for the resurrection and the rapture. Some of the things we don't understand about it, we don't understand exactly yet the day and the month. Or how is God going to do it? But we see now around us the conditions. And we see how God is going to force us into this state of desperation. Cause us to reach a state in faith. Because our faith has to be tried. The period of teaching that you went through. And received a revelation, understanding. What you have been taught will be tried to see if you absolutely possess it. And will use it. So we're coming to a point that our faith, our revelation, our teaching period is going to be tested. And it's going to be tested greater than basically we can even comprehend.
The great uh, word that Brother Bram used most of the time to show what this condition would be would be persecution. And he said that word many times, showing the persecution that would come to bring in the ecumenical council to form the what he called the mark or that union of churches. And Catholicism making a union together, forcing all the churches outside of four or five basic uh, foundations of church to be able to join this union or be forced to quit preaching. What you're seeing in the land today now is greater than the Great Depression. I've heard ministers say that Brother Brown said you could buy a Cadillac for a quarter. You could paste your walls with dollar bills. I hadn't been able to find any quote where Brother Brown said that. But if he said it to individuals, well, then that's all right. He told them that. That's fine. I know that he did say some of the things he saw he wasn't going to tell us because the people's hearts wouldn't be able to take it or our fears wouldn't be able to handle it in the dry, dire uh, process of what the condition would be. But there's also great things that were going to happen that he didn't tell us because he looked at our expectation. I believe he knew that basically there was a condition that had to exist to bring out of us what is in us, that our faith can be expressed. So basically when we answer this question that I can give many facets and many scriptures and all these scriptures we'll use last, in the last three weeks, all pertain to the squeeze and what it is for. Because God has a purpose and He only works according to the Word and He only works out according to His plan. God doesn't change His methods. He doesn't change how He does things. He does it over and over and over the same way. You can start in the Garden of Eden. You can follow every thought, every experience, every trial, every king. Jesus, Paul, James, all the way through. He always dealt with every group, every messenger, every phase in the same manner or the cycle. He is working out one thing, that there will be a group of people on earth that will have faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God or to walk with Him or to let Him be God to us. We have no problem knowing that there is a God. But our problem is that we have an invisible God. And being invisible, it is hard for us to grasp something invisible. So we have to put some kind of visibility to it. So people put a visibility called Jesus, the man. They put that the visibility of God and make that visibility or that image God. In this age, we had a prophet where people could see the, a spirit working. They knew there was someone there other than a man because a man couldn't do what some spirit was doing. Brother Brandon pointed to a light. The light had allowed to have his picture taken. So whoever that light was and whoever was answering Brother Branham's uh, call, we'll see if he will come. And he come. The one that healed the sick, raised the dead, and done all the miracles, that's the God that we pray to. That's the God that we pray to. And that God is now the Word and it dwells in you. So you're praying actually to the Spirit in you. Talk to the God within you and you pray. And we're going to see here in our text this morning that Jesus gives us the key uh, to this mystery of prayer. And he tells us in a certain time period that basically that mystery would be open to the bride and our joy would be full. And I'm calling the fullness of joy to have our prayers answered tangibly when we ask. Having your prayers answered tangibly when you ask this invisible one. 
I believe that the invisible God, by His Spirit and through His Word, is here in you. And I believe He's here in atmosphere. And He's hearing our thoughts this morning. And He absolutely hears our praises unto His name. Amen. So we asked Him to open our hearts this morning and teach us. And I pray that the anointing would rest upon me and the anointing would rest upon you to receive what the Word has to say to us this morning. Amen. I can sum up the word squeeze in one word. If you want to squeeze all the scriptures together, you can squeeze it into one word, and that word is need. Why the squeeze? Because we need it. <laughs> we got three little amens. Now, we don't feel like or think we need it, but we do. Brother Gray, I don't feel like I need a squeeze. Well, I'm going beyond your feelings, and I'm going beyond your opinions and your thoughts. God says you need a squeeze to bring out of you what He has put in you. And what He has put in you is a part of Himself. I've always said, if we could comprehend it, being little Messiahs, we are little Jesuses in our measure manifested in human flesh. As he is in heaven, so are we in this earth. You, are you telling me, Brother Gregory, you think you are as Jesus or is Jesus? Absolutely. Because I have been given his name, Mrs. Jesus Christ. That gives me the authority over every power, principality, devil, and everything else. If we only understood the power of the name that was given us, every knee must bow and every demon must give way at and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. So what we want to look at this morning is why the squeeze, and we want to look at it in the sense that we need it. In John chapter 16, verses 22 to 24, we gave you those scriptures last week. We read them hurriedly, and now we're going to go over them and touch them just a little bit. And Jesus said, And you now therefore have sorrow. He was fixing to leave them in the flesh. That form was leaving Three forms. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He had a flesh form, spirit form, and now we're here. He's here in Logos form. Three forms. He's fixed to lead them in the flesh form. He said, I know that you will have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice. And we find that he did in the, what do you call the post-resurrection ministry, where he walked around, appeared to many, and done different things. The fish, on and on, do you have any bread? On and on, he appeared, and the, the, he, they saw him as he really was in his glorified form. Then he said, watch, and your joy no man taketh from you. I could uh, preach a whole sermon on that. How many knows the joy of the Lord is your strength? And the only joy of the Lord you can get is by the revelation of God himself, which is the word. So no man is going to take your revelation of God or what God is doing away from you. No man gave you revelation and no man can take it away. See, you, and your joy no man taketh from you. And watch. Now in that day, now we could have put that uh, in Jesus' time, which would be the day of Pentecost. Brother Branham put that day as this day or the day of persecution or the day of the Lord when the seals was opened and the Son of Man was revealed. But we're definitely in a period of time called that day. 
We're not in the days of Noah. We're in the day that Noah entered to the ark. We're in the day period. We're in that small half hour period, that small measure of time, if you can measure in time, that God is going to climax now everything that he's ever poured out, every facet, all the fullness of the atonement will be manifested in a group of people. And it will be called the spoken word. And the spoken word is no more than prayer. It is not demanding or taking authority like there shall be because I got something. It will be speaking the word with the confidence and the revelation that you are as Jesus was. And that God is here to perform what you say in the name of Jesus. So I want you to look now. The oneness people are going to have trouble. They cannot teach us having one God. Like your finger. Jesus and the Father are one like your finger. Trinitarians cannot preach this because they are pagan. There's a group in the middle that has a revelation of Godhead and one only begotten Son. Our kinsman Redeemer, which was the supplier of all of our need. If Jesus didn't supply every one of our needs that you can think of, then he missed the, bo he missed the boat, so to speak. All right, so that's what you want to look at. In that day, you shall ask me nothing. In other words, at the day of uh, the ascension or the day of Pentecost, you won't ask Jesus nothing. They, all they want, the disciples went to Jesus. They asked him, what about this? What about that? What about what's the sign of your coming? On and on. He said, but in that day, you shall ask me nothing. But verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father. Now, if Jesus was the Father, he's kind of mixing our minds up here because he's saying that you're going to ask my Father. And he believes that Jesus had a father. Jesus was not his own father. All right. You shall ask the father. Now there's that invisible God, the creator of the heavens and earth. Now we can know him. But like I said, the trouble is he is invisible. He'll always be invisible. You'll see him through forms, images, purposes, manifestations, plans being fulfilled. But you'll never see God because he is an invisible spirit. But I can see God this morning in each one of your lives. Hopefully you can see God in nature. You can see Him in the believers. But most of all, we can see Him in the body of Christ. When one believer talks to another believer, they can see God. Why? Because they're hearing the Word as they have understood the Word. And their faith is the same faith. So you're in the same body, under the same mindset, speaking the same thoughts. So therefore, the Holy Spirit is communing with Himself in and through the body of Christ. If Jesus and the Father communicated and He was incarnated in Him, how did they communicate? Jesus had to pray to the God that was in Him. He absolutely taught and thought over His own mind. Your prayer life is struggling with your own thinking. It's within. You're talking to the Spirit within you. When you need something, you don't look out yonder. You look to the Spirit in you and you address that God that's in you. The one that saved your soul, the one that called you to water baptism. The one that turns your heart, giving you the knowledge that you need to repent of your sins and be baptized. That's the same God that lives in you that will direct and comfort you, heal your body, and provide everything that you have need of. That's the one that we talk to. Watch, verily, very now I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. So Jesus has given us the mystery of prayer. He's given you the revelation of one God. And he gives you the authority to open up the presence of God or walk into the presence of God with a boldness by using his name. In other words, you can address this invisible God 
and you become just as Jesus was. I don't think Jesus prayed and said, in my name. Jesus prayed to the Father, and the Father answered. That relationship, Jesus died, was raised for our justification, now gives us the authority and the privilege of His name, of His operation, of His position as the only begotten Son. By your identification with Him and in Him, you can use His name, and it will be the same as Jesus approaching the Father. He said, hitherto, or up until this time, I've been with you, and you have asked nothing in my name. Watch. Now, ask, and you shall receive. I see no condition placed here. Ask, and you shall receive. For what purpose? That your joy may be full. So God has got a desire that our joy may be full. You say, well, my joy won't be full until I get a glorified body. And I'm in the millennium. Well, I've got good news for you. My joy won't be full until I go through the millennium and sit in the uh, heavenly city. That will be the fullness of my joy. I want to walk through my paradise, my garden, or my little cabin, wherever I'm at. If I'm outside the city, hallelujah. I'm not confessing to being outside the city. Now, Brother Branham, he said, now, I just want a little cabin outside the city. Basically, I don't want a little cabin outside the city. I want to walk down the streets of gold. I want to be on the inside of the inside. Can you say amen? You say, oh, I'll just be satisfied with a little cabin down by the brook. That sounds real humble. But that's telling me you don't know who you are. We have a place reserved for me. I've got a name at the marriage supper of the Lamb. I've got a name tag there. It may not be the name I realize now, but my name is there. And when I change my body, I'll know what my new name is if I have one. And I will take my place at the table because it's ordained to do so. Amen. So I want to look this morning at the mystery of prayer. And I want you to remind me. My point in this whole sermon, I'm going to go over and over. You'll get wearisome before it's, the sermon's over. I want you to get in your mind. And I want you to think it over and over and over because you will have to use this. And that is, I can have my needs met. Don't forget that. I can have my needs met. Now, the first thing I want you to get out of your mind is your condition to bring that into effect. I can have my minds, my needs met. I don't care whether you're a drunkard, cigarette sucker, beer drinker, whatever you are, what you've done, or what you think you are. The Word of God said you can have your needs met. You say, well, Brother Gregory, everything in the Bible is on condition. The condition don't mean nothing if you want your need met. And nine times out of ten, the con uh, condition is real hard. Repent. That's the hardest condition in there. The condition is this. When you stand praying, forgive just as much as you're asking for your need. 50-50. Forgive, forgive, forgive. Need, need, need. Forgive, forgive, forgive. Need, need, need. Until all doubt is removed that your slate's clean. When your slate's clean, you are guaranteed the answer. See, the answer cannot fail. If you have forgiven everybody ever ought, 
Over and over and over, when that slate's clean, you will have your answer. That's the Word of God. Now, either the Word of God lied or the conditions don't mean nothing, but God said, I am a God, I'm here, but I'll only meet you at your point of need. All right, that's the thought we're going to look at. For people to really pray, and let's just face it, since basically the early 60s and the middle 70s, the churches, as I know of, have basically done away with prayer per se. We have little prayer meetings, the men meets and prays. That's wonderful. But as far as praying, churches don't pray anymore. We used to have prayer meetings and everybody get around the altar and pray. Everybody said, oh, that's Pentecostal. We don't need to do that no more. Okay, so we don't need to do that no more. So uh, we'll just basically have a deacon pray. Well, the deacon's not living good enough, so we'll just have the preacher pray. Well, the preacher's done prayed all of his prayers and asked everything he can. So basically he just says, Lord, bless us, and that's it. You can backslide praying faster than you can anything. Because if you're praying in vain, then you're getting worse off from God all the time. If you go to God and begging, begging God, and God don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, pretty soon you say, well, God's not going to do it, so why ask for this? I asked for that and didn't get it, so why are you still asking anything? But there's a approach to God that you can have everything that you have need of. All right. So people uh, should understand, and, and the, Jesus said in this hour, that this mystery, Brother Bram said at this hour when the squeeze comes, then you'll move into the fullness of the Word. But he said, what did he tell you to do? Stick together. Stay together. Don't let any enemies come in to separate that unity. Stay together and pray. All right, what are you praying for? For the unity of the faith until we reach a degree where God is satisfied with our condition. For God to answer prayer. How many wants God to answer prayer? How many has a specific need this morning that you could write down on a piece of paper in one word, I need so-and-so that you would like for God to meet right now? Then we got a need. If you got a need, then you got a God that'll answer. If you got a need, you got a point where God will reveal Himself to you. God reveals Himself to you at the point of the problem. No problem, no need for God. When I'm fishing, getting a bite every five minutes, I'm not praying, oh God, let me catch fish. When I'm feeling wonderful, going down the highway on a motorcycle, I don't say, oh God, I need to feel good. You just don't pray for what you don't need. Amen? But most of the time, the need is only about 10 seconds long. Lord, I need so-and-so, and next day you done forgot every whole thing about it. You didn't really need it then. See, any prayer or any need that you can forget in five minutes, you don't really need. When you need something, and it's a point that you really need it, what's your mind on? The need. Then whatever, what is, is everything about you on? The problem. Why people can't get healed is what? They look into the problem instead of the answer. I've got so-and-so, i got so-and-so. And nine out of ten people will also blame themselves for the condition that they're in. Well, well you know, I, I got cancer, but I smoked for 30 years, so I, I guess this is just a product of what my actions was. 
I actually brought this on myself. Well, I'm telling you here that we are in a time period where no con- whatever condition the people are in, it doesn't make any difference what condition brought it. God is here to take care of the need. Why the prophet? Why do we stress a prophet? Because he declared that God is here. And he's not here taking a vacation or sunning himself. He's here to fulfill a promise, which is himself the word. He's here to answer your need. Why? Because that's the only way the invisible God can be made known to you. Amen. So for God to answer prayer according to need, and I, I would say that this is the 99, 9 tenths cause of every answered prayer is need. Then need must exist. We're getting to why the squeeze, why the persecution got to come. And I don't want to labor on the negative, which is not a negative, it's a reality. We're in a worse condition now, nationwide, worldwide, than any depression that's ever struck the earth. You say, well, it don't seem too bad to me. When 30 million people in one month went unemployed, 30 million. That's not counting all everybody that was already retired, everybody past 65, everybody that's on the streets or living off the government. That's talking about 30 million people that was working, providing for themselves, now unemployed, trusting the government to provide for them. We didn't think we'd ever see what they said back in the Great Depression when they would dump potatoes by mountainfuls. I've seen it uh, this week on TV. Truckload after truckload, they was dumping in piles out in fields because why? There was no place to send them. And people standing in line wanting food because there was no food available. Millions and millions of gallons of milk was pumped out on the ground. And thousands and thousands of people wanting food and starving because they had no milk. So I noticed this morning the president said he was going to buy up all that surplus food and want more and put it into food banks trying to alleviate the problem. But the answer is not more money from the government. What are, what's going on? God is bringing forth this condition because the bride must reach a state of desperation before they open their mouth for the tri- uh, feast of the trumpet. Open your mouth and declare who you are, what you are, and what you need. I will declare to you this morning that our physical needs are going to squeeze us to the point. That you'll be like Mueller was, Mueller, the great orphanage keeper. You've heard many stories. You can read books on him. 1,500 orphans. Set them down to the table for breakfast in the morning. All they had was an empty plate and a knife and fork. He bowed his head. He thanked God for the meal that he had provided. Thanked God for the supply that he had provided. And while he was praying, a knock come on the door. And a bread truck had a wreck and bread was thrown everywhere. And he asked, would you take this bread because it's going to ruin? They took the bread and passed it out. Five minutes later, knock on the door. The milk truck had a collision. All the milk was there. And he said, will you take this milk or it's going to spoil? And he thanked God for the bread and the milk. 
Time after time, God supplied without any begging, anything else. God always met their needs, even to the point where it come time to eat and was nothing there to eat. I've heard preachers say, yeah, when we get that, we're going to speak a steak. We're going to speak a hamburger. No, 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 no. You're going to thank God for the meal that he has provided. And God will supply it miraculously. But it may not be in a way that we think. This squeeze is not going on like we pictured in our mind it would be. We're too modern. See, You know why the squeeze is not on? The Great Depression is not on us? Because it hadn't touched your pocket yet. How many in here are still employed? You got food? You still got things going? Everything's going all right? All right, then we don't have need of that then. So we're not too desperate to ask God for bread and water more, which that's not the point. But we're not to the point of pressure yet that we can get down and ask God in desperation for a need, knowing that he will answer. And that's what we want to look at this morning. Watch. Jesus said, answer, uh, answer prayer comes according to need. In Matthew 6, 25 to 34, he said, therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life. Now, that is your natural life. Because watch. What you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Boy, if we could get this mindset going, we'd be all right, wouldn't we? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? Who can add one dollar to your pocketbook? One meal to your daily substance. God is the provider of everything that we have need of or have. And why take ye thought therefore for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe ye? Watch, O ye of little faith. Now, why did he say that? What, what is this, O ye of little faith? What is he talking about? Exactly talking to the people that claim to be the seed of Abraham. Abraham is our father. So he's talking to the children of covenant. He's talking to the seed of the father of faith. And what they are forgetting is their minds have slipped from the first revelation that Abraham had of God. Not that he was the possessor and the creator of heaven and earth. But I'm talking about that revelation of God where God came to him in Genesis 15. We'll read here just in a few minutes. Saying that I am your shield and your great provider. I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. And we'll get that just in a minute. There's your foundation. That's the first. I've preached this for years and years. When you become a believer, the first thing that you need to get aware of is God is your protector and He is your provider. And He wants to be your soul protector and soul provider. That doesn't mean you can sit at home and hope a welfare check comes in or it come in and out of the air or it'll come into the mailbox. Because if a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. 
I've heard people say, well, I can't get a job. I want to ask you this. Did God tell you to feed your family? If a man doesn't work, he's worse than an infidel. Yes, it does. Then there's a job out there for you. Then how do you pray? God, your word said that I need to work. So there's a job for me. Lead me to the job. Well, that job don't pay enough. Lead me to the job. And I'll trust that the, God will, uh, the job will provide enough for me to get a better job, to get a better job, to get a better job. But if you don't be led to the first job, how are you ever going to get the second job, third job, or fourth job? Oh, I want to start at the top. Well, that's what I said when I first started. When I said, <laughs> when I went into Brown Shoe Company as a, a, what, a 20-year-old kid, I guess. Didn't know nothing. I thought I knew everything, though I was pretty cocky. I can't remember when I wasn't too cocky, really. And they said, what kind of job you want? I said, what kind of job you got? He said, well, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm in the superintendent of this factory. I said, well, I guess that's what I want. Kurt Johnson was there. I've told him a story. You can tell I'm getting old. When you tell stories, you, that's a sign you're getting old. He said, well, son, you've got you to start at the bottom before you get to the top. I said, where do you start? He said, well, you got to go out there. I said, well, how do I get to that? There's an empty desk. I said, what's wrong with starting there? He looked at it. They kind of laughed. You know, I thought, well, this boy's nuts. He said, well, i tell you how to get there. you got to go out here. And then as you prove yourself, then you'll finally get there. In nine years, I was both of their bosses. I got there quick. So how do you get there quick? Well, you save your boss's job, number one. Then when you save his job, he saves yours. <laughs> I learned real quick, never push the men out to go up. Because you'll meet the same ones coming down. You always push the man in front of you up, up, up. And he'll pull you up, up, up with him. Amen. That's the reason you exalt God. You put God above everything. If you exalt him above your food, drink, or whatever more, you put that standard there and say God's word is first. He'll promote you, promote you, and promote you, and he'll make you a Joseph over your territory. Amen. Oh, ye of little faith, they had forgot that they had a covenant with God and that God was their protector and their provider. Amen. So we see here in verses 31 to 34, if you're following now in the scriptures, We'll see that there are needs, and then there are needs. For some needs supersede other needs. And what we think we need, we need, but they're not greater than other needs. And what you're going to look at in the Scripture is to get those needs that you think that you need. Food, drink, and clothes. And you have to have those three essentials to live. If you had nothing to eat, nothing to drink, and no clothes to put on, 30 days or so, you'll be gone. You've got to have food and drink to live, sustain. But we're trying to sustain a higher life than the natural life. We're looking at a higher life. We're looking at an immortal life that is housed in these bodies called the soul, it is already there. That soul is eternal. It comes from God to start with. And it must receive an awakening or a revelation or a quickening to realize that you are an offspring of God. 
How many would claim that and confess, I am a son of God? All right, if Jesus was not the only begotten son of God, you cannot be a born again son of God. How come they try to say God, uh, God is not the son of God, God, Jesus was God? He was not. He was the only begotten son of God. And he told us, pray to my father. If Jesus had a father, he's saying, my father is your father. If he was the only begotten son, expressing the invisible God in the full image of his being, then we are little sons of God, expressing him in a measure. I may not have a cup full, but I've sure got a little ounce full. And I've got enough of God to say God's word is true. God is my leader. He is my protector. He's my provider. He's my healer. He's everything that I have need of. So we watch what he says now. Therefore, take no thought saying, what shall we eat? Verse 31. Or what shall we drink? These conditions will be the primary thoughts of the people in this squeeze. Not too many weeks down the road. We're going to be concerned by the conditions. This is not over. This is only the beginning. We see China moving in to be able to take over the world. They're building islands to protect the ports. Their goal is to be able to take over and control the world. I understand that the book of Revelation says America will do exactly what China is trying to do. Amen. America is the key. Our American deficit is the key and the point and the sign. You looking for a sign? When that Catholic church bails us out because of the American deficit, that's the sign you better be ready because our redemption is going it's nigh and we're going home shortly. Because that's the sign of all signs that we know of. When that sign happens, the rapture is imminent. It will take place shortly after that. Amen. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? These are needs necessary to, to sustain natural life. But notice verse 32. Your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of these things. God knows that you need clothes. He knows that you need food. He knows that you need a car to go to work in. He knows that you need a good car to go to work in. I don't say that we have to drive around in a passed up, wired together T-model to get to work. If God gives the devil a Cadillac to go to work, he ought to be able to give a son of God a Cadillac to go to work. Oh, there the brother Gregory goes again. Praise God. I'm a son of God. See, I, I know who I am. My father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Why should he give all the gold and the silver and the cattle to the serpent seed? They're mine. And he said, if I'd open my mouth and declare who I am in the name of Jesus, I can receive it. It is mine. I can take possession of it. I can use it to the glory of God. Watch now. Your heavenly Father knows that you have need of these things. So you're not surprising God when you say, uh, Lord, we need food, we need clothes, we need a job. He already knows that. So we pray 90 times out of 10, oh, I need this, I need that. And he already knows you need that. So why don't we get a direct answer? Why is not there a milk truck having a wreck out here and somebody knocking on our door this morning? Well, we don't need milk. Well, we don't need bread. Well, we don't have orphans. 
Matter of fact, we don't have need of much of anything. So if we don't have need of much of anything, then God has no purpose. Boy, they're awful quiet. If you don't have a need, God has no purpose of being. So when the people reach the point that they don't have a need of nothing, there's no need for God either. That's the condition that we're in. Church, he said, I'm rich and increased with the good and have need of nothing. The need bring God on the scene. Why did God send a revival in the time of the depression when they had no doctors, no hospital, and people was dying of everything from cancer to tuberculosis to disease and everything? Why did he send a gift of healing in the world? We needed a, a gift of healing. We needed our bodies taken care of. We couldn't go to the doctor and get healed. So God sent healing to us. He sent healing around the world. You could have church service after church service. Not only Brother Branham praying. There was more people healed outside of Brother Branham's meetings around the world than he had in his little meetings. He said, I'm, I'm not the one that does all this. Oh, robbers don't. You don't have to wait for uh, some preacher to come around. Every believer can lay hands on the sick with the promise that they shall be healed. So these are needs that God knows that you have need of. They are basic needs. They are necessity. But there is needs that supersede these that actually provides the natural needs. Verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. So how do you get the clothes? How do you get the car? How do you get the good jobs? How do you get the increases? How do you get the blessing? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek the leadership of the Lord. Go to the word of God. Make him your head. Make him your God. Jesus your Lord. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Do you know that we are the righteousness of God? As he is, so are we in this world. Amen. And all these things shall be added unto you. He didn't tell you to pray for them. Pray for revelation. Pray for understanding of the word. Pray for the leadership of the Holy Ghost. Knowing these things shall just be given to you. There's just the benefit of being a believer. A human being. See, God provides for everybody. Some of the wicked people in the world live in castles and throw away steaks for supper. So it's not how you live or how holy you are or what conduct you have. It's that God is a provider of creation, His people. Then is there a difference between the believer? Absolutely. We look to the higher things. We're not looking for more money, more money, more money because it's going to perish. I'm looking for the revelation of the resurrection and the rapture. Because the condition will exist to the point that unless God resurrects and changes my body, I will perish. The Bible said all flesh will not be lost. But he'll shorten the time of the squeeze so all flesh won't be lost. 
God is going to preserve some believers without dying. All right. So asking for these needs, the righteousness of God, is the means by which all these others that you think you got to have will come. People looks at paying tithes. There's a law of tithe. We taught it years ago. We done most of the teaching years ago. You got jobs today. You've been blessed today because you've recognized God in your life. Tithes is only a memorial. God gave me a dollar. I'm going to give him a tenth to show that I believe that he is God. He's my protector. He's my provider. He'll make the 90 cents go farther than the 100 pennies. 90 pennies could go a lot farther than 100 pennies. Absolutely. If I don't have sickness, I don't have car trouble. If I don't have a storm blowing the roof off, if I don't have this and I don't have that, that 10 cents will get me more than I can even imagine. See? When I give that 10 cents, then I can get that shotgun I want. I can go get that fishing rod I want. I can get that uh, car that the wife said I didn't have. I can buy that motorcycle which sits in the garage. Why can you do that? Because when we see that when God, uh, Abraham needed something, when God said, I am your protector, your provider, your shield, and your great exceeding reward, what's the first thing Abraham said when God told him that? What are you going to give me? My name is Jimmy. What are you going to give me? We'll get to that in a few minutes. Thought is what? I need a son. God didn't say, oh, that's a hard one. That, that's, uh, Abraham, what did you ask that, Abraham? When you ask for cattle, when you ask for tents, when you ask for land, when you ask for something out here that I, I, is no problem. You ask for a son, and there's no way that you can have a child. Why did you ask me for something that can't be done? Well, he said, because you told me you're my protector and my provider, and I don't have any heirs to leave my money to or cattle to, this Eliezer of my house, this servant, he's going to get everything I got. Now, how... Can you be my protector, my provider, when I don't have any inheritance or son to leave my inheritance to? God said, if you ask for a son, I'm going to give you a new car. He said, no, no, I don't need a car. I need a son. So you'll find the story was, he said, what are you going to give me? He said, what do you need? Abraham said, I need a son. He said, a son you will have. And not only will you have one son, look up, I'm going to show you the stars. That's how many seed of Abraham there's going to be. Hallelujah. When he didn't even, he only asked for one. He said, I'm going to get the seed to the uh, stars is not even able to count the seed. And you're sitting here this morning as an heir to that promise. You are one of those stars. You are one of those seed. You still have the faith of Abraham. We're still the faith of our father. God is my protector and my provider. Jesus answered and said to them, they that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I know. I, I, forgive me if I take too much time this morning, because I, I've got uh, little thoughts here, and I'm drilling down one point over and over and over and over. If you're not sick, you don't need a physician. When do you need a physician? When you're sick. 
When did you need a healer? When the medicine and the doctors can't do nothing for you. When you run out of answers. We hear testimonies of people that we pray for like this morning. Cancer. We don't know who the person is. Jerry knows him. We know they're, don't know what life, kind of life they live. We don't know what their conditions are. We don't know whether they're church members or not. I'm sure they're probably not in the message. Is what we call in the message. They may not ever even heard of Brother Branham. And you can hear testimony after testimony of these churches. We're praying for the sick. Our sick is being healed. Hmm. Our sick is being healed. Blind eyes opening. One preacher said five people raised from the dead. That's in fundamental churches. We say, oh, yeah, yep. But uh, we, we got the word. We got the word. What are you doing with it? What are we doing with it? Now, I will agree they will have the word as false anointed, but they won't have the revelation that will take them in the rapture. Come on. Because you can be healed of your body and die next week of something else. A car wreck may get you. But what I'm talking about, God answers prayer according to need. But the point is, you've got to know that for a fact. You've got to know. You've got to understand deep down. I know I can have my need met. Period. And I'm not going to take no. I don't even have to take no for an answer. I don't have to wonder and try to figure out if God's going to do it, whether he wants to do it. How must I do for him to do it? What is the condition? What about this? What about? Get that out of your mind. One thing in your mind. I can have my need met. Glory. God answers my prayer according to need. You have a need this morning? Yes. You can have that need met. Don't take no for an answer. Whole nother sermon, but really, what's the trouble? If you say to this mountain, doubt not in your heart, but believe that what you ask for, you shall receive. That word doubt is the problem. That word doubt is the same word that Paul used in Abraham when he staggered not. The word stagger there and the word doubt in Matthew is the same word. Abraham didn't doubt God. He just didn't have enough light or understanding of the Word of God to fulfill the promise. Our problem is there is a doubt there. And that doubt is not a lack of believing God can. It's a lack of knowing God will and has. He has already provided. And your need guarantees the manifestation of the answer. How bad do you want it? So according to Jesus, just having a need is not enough. Clothes, food, whatever more. So he teaches what? You must be aware of the need. Let's just bring it down to the body this morning. I need healing. And I don't need healing just to live. I can say I need healing this morning. But I don't need healing just to live. 
So I don't need it bad enough where I'll get down to one point and stay there and persevere. My need hadn't reached the desperation point to look at one single thing, my need. And understand God will meet my need regardless of my condition. Don't think you've got to read the Bible enough, get into prayer shape enough, fast enough, what more. That doesn't mean move God. God moves by one thing. What is your need? Period. Then ask, answer me. Why would a, a, a woman or men come through the prayer line, properly dressed, lives a holiness life, everything was perfect, come through and Brother Brown said they would miss their healing. Here comes a prostitute through the prayer line, just walking through, I, I, need, I need so-and-so. Walking through, probably say, you got it. Keep right on walking. He said, what done it? Her faith in God that answers according to need. The, under, the other ones, the Pentecostals or the good church members, thought it was something about them that had to produce it. There's nothing about you that can produce it. If the doctor can't help you, and you can't help yourself, but you still need a need, then what's that need? I need God to heal me of cancer. Cancer is a devil. So I need this devil cast out in the name of Jesus. I can have it. I will have it. I can have it. It is finished. God give me the faith to meet that need. This is, why the, this is why the persecution. This is why the squeeze is coming. We must be desperate concerning the need. Number three, you must act according to this desperation. And without the persecution, none of these conditions will come for us to react properly. The truth is, basically, we're not really aware of our true need. We have taught you, Karen, you want to come, we'll try to plant a plea. I'm sorry, I just can't, got too much in here. I'm trying to get across. This is the why that we made the decision, not on our own, but just, we just, we can only tell by how we look back in the past and how we separated that we moved to teaching these principles. We taught these principles back in 81 and 82. Three services a week, three and four hours at a time. Billy, y'all used to sit there, go to sleep, wake up, and go to sleep again, wake up again. Kevin used to be back on the sound. You remember, Kevin, you said you washed the sweat on my tie when he got down about an inch before the bottom. You knew that about ready to close. I can't sweat that long now. I'd pass out. But we also went through a period of this time where God has actually been real good to us. Me and my wife is talking the last few weeks and when we see these conditions, just, just how abundant. I mean, you can't even grasp it. Or even how it come about. You can mull it over, but 
How abundantly God has blessed us. I couldn't, I couldn't be the president of a company and be blessed as much as I'm blessed. And he all done it with just a small group of people. I'm glad he kept it small instead of giving me the congregation I thought I would like and needed. He kept it small. And now we're small, therefore we don't draw too much attention. And Brother Bram said he would gather together little small groups around the world. And gather them together around this word in a month or two she'll be gone. How's he going to gather people to squeeze? Persecution. The point that I want to get across before we close this morning is this. Preaching and teaching now is not going to produce this desperation. If I was 30 again and could preach like I used to preach then, scream and holler, run up down the hall until I sling sweat a half a mile and scream at you some more and never run out of breath or nothing else. I thought screaming and hollering, the louder you get, the longer you preach, the better that you'd submit or get it. But preaching and teaching is not going to produce this desperation. We tried to scare the people to death in, to death in 2000 about the YK and the computer shutting down and wild stories and everything like that. I heard message preachers basically put us in every kind of shape that you can think of. And then basically New Year's Day, and then I didn't hear nothing from them no more. For the last, when this started, for the last month, I've been under more pressure than any time that I've ministered here or any other time since I've been ministered. Because the pressure is that you know that you have reached a point. You've reached the stage of God. We've crossed the line. And no matter preaching, no matter holler, hollering or whatever more, is not going to produce in you the desperation that is needed. We're not going to come to the degree. I'm not going to be able to hype you up, scream you up, preach fear enough to produce uh, to a desire to, to do it, what is needed to be done. Only the squeeze or persecution will do it. I don't like to say it, but you will be squeezed beyond your imagination. The squeeze won't add one thing to our revelation. People say, oh, well, when the squeeze comes, when the third pull comes, then we're going to understand we're going to get this great. No. The squeeze and persecution will not add one thing to your revelation. We have been prepared and have been prepared until that's what all this cycle was. Where's God? Where's God? Where's God? He's right here in His Word. Waiting for a generation to blend out and another generation to come on. And now you're talking to a generation that now must become adults. Now then you've got to put on the whole armor. Now you're going to have to take the principles of faith that you've been taught, hollered at, preached at, and everything else, and use it. You're going to have to use it. Brother Branham said, you're sitting in heavenly places. You are in authority here on earth. He said, most people don't know they have authority, so they don't use it. But he said, that bride is ordained to use it, and God will bring forth a condition to make you use it. You're going to use it in a desperation. And that desperation will be meet a point, and only the persecution and the squeeze that's upon us will cause us to reach that desperation. Something is going to happen to our minds. 
You've seen the United States and the world take a mind change in the last 30 days. I go to Walmart now where everybody attends so everybody can get sick at one time. I go to Lowe's where they're lined up by the thousands. But everybody makes sure they're six feet from you. Separation, separation, separation. Brother Branham said the greatest trick of the devil is to separate one from the other. Separating us, put us in our homes away from fellowship of believers is the greatest detriment that we can have as faith believers. You need a, com a community of believers. You may not think you need to come to church, but you do. You need to see people. You need to fellowship with people. You need to be around people. You need to listen to the Word of God together. You need to say amen together. We need to sing together. We need to praise God together. Because God is a community God. And I, I guarantee you, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, God is with us. Yeah, God is with us. I know that He is. Something's going to happen to our minds. Yep. Something's going to happen to our minds that our joy may be full. My joy will be full when I can speak the word and pray. And I get the answer. Now that would be fullness of joy. How many has ever been in the old Pentecostal meeting? Well, let's go all the way back to our time, back in the early 70s, 80s. Even at that time, go to the meetings, based God. We could worship. We could see healings, cast out devils. Man, you talking about a good time. We could get, I could get so enthused. I was so inspired. You get, you're walking on air for two or three weeks. I can remember one time we went over in Arkansas, I preached a weekend, and went over to Arkansas and preached four services, come back to our church to preach, and you were so anointed, so high that you couldn't even open your mouth. You had to get your mind, just get your mind down to the world to be able to even preach, you're so high in the spirit. I can remember times when we get in the anointing, had to be driven home, never even know when you got home. The anointing was there. Where did it go, Brother Greg? It's still here. Still here. Now we're coming to that point that we need. Our joy will be full. And we'll have our joy full by having our prayers answered. I said, why did God send a prophet? To make us aware of God's presence and our need can be and will be met. Still got all these notes here to prove the point. God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory. You believe that? I took that scripture when I didn't have any money, didn't have nothing else. I wore that scripture out. I dreamed that scripture. I said that scripture in every way that could be said. My God shall supply. My God shall supply. My God shall supply. I've, I read it every way over and over and over. And you know what? That scripture is just as true today as it was when he put Kentucky Fried Chicken on the, on the table three times a day. You say, well, God can't produce food. Ask my wife. We didn't have a job, didn't have any money. Only had six or seven people in church. And God put Kentucky Fried Chicken, you can't get no better than that, on my table three times a week because my uncle, which was in the church, worked at Kentucky Fried Chicken, and not being able to do so, he would take out what they didn't use and slip it home and fail. And that's what we had for about a year and a half with Kentucky Fried Chicken until I complained like the Israelites, man, I'm mad at this quail, I gotta have something else besides Kentucky Fried Chicken. God said, what are you complaining about? Everybody's lined up to get chicken. You're, you're, you're screaming glory to God because you got chicken. I said, yes, Lord, but I need. <laughs> I need so many people in church. He said, you need that many? I said, I need it. 
And you know what? Here they come. I need so-and-so. Here they come. I didn't understand the law, but I understand one thing. My wife said one time, she said, we got a bill, $150. How are you going to pay it? I'm telling old stories now because I'm an old preacher. I love these stories because they reveal God to me that he was my protector, my provider, and he always has. We need $150 to pay the rent. Where are you going to get it? I said, I don't know, but God will supply it. How can you say that? Because I'd already said a thousand times that day, my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. I said, it'll be in the mailbox. Can't come from nowhere else. It'll be in the mail. She said, be in the mail. <laughs> yeah. You know how redheads can be, you know. <laughs> she didn't say, oh, thank Jesus, it's going to be in the mail. No, be in the mail. Yeah. I'll go get the mail. I'll go get the mail. I said, okay. So she went and got the mail, opened the box. I was in the picture with looking out. And I said, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Reveal yourself to her. Reveal yourself. Oh, God, oh, God. And I seen her open up and tears coming out. I said, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Check for $150. Praise be to God. We went to a trip one time out here to Tucson. I had to go hear that preacher's meeting. I just had to have it. I said, I didn't have no money. I needed $300 to make the trip. I didn't have $50 in my pocket. There was an old boy come by there, and he come in. He started church. He's giving some problems. But he come that morning, and he said, you know what? God told me to stop by. He said, I, I don't need it. I don't want to. But he said, here. <laughs> Slammed a $100 bill down on the counter and said, Here. That ought to take care of it. Excuse me, Lord, for dropping the word. I said, well, thank you, brother. I said, Lord, but I needed $300. <laughs> he got to his car, opened the door. He said something, walked back in. Here. $200. Start back out. I said, Lord, but I need three. Is that enough? I said, yep, that's enough. I need $300. God provided $300 bills. Me and basically uh, the preacher down, what's his name down there in Thayer? Oh, no, no, no. He used to preach for me. He used to over in West Plains. What more? The family. What's her name? No. I know, but it wasn't a preacher. That's all right. Anyway, me and him went to the preacher's meeting. On the way back, we had basically bought a steak. You know, we was preachers. Praise God, had to have a steak. And so we wanted to pay our gas bill, which we was trying to look at each other. I think I had 10 and he had 10, so we needed about $18 for gas. We didn't know whether we were going to get home or not. One end, the guy said, well, some guy paid that bill for you. I said, some guy paid the bill. Why did he pay the bill? I don't know. He said, them two guys out there, he said, take care of their gas for them. I said, glory, hallelujah, let's buy us a Pepsi. <laughs> God done it over and over and over and over until I said, Lord, I am convinced. You are my protector and you are my provider. And what I'm trying to say this morning, if you have a need, I don't care what that need is. How close that need to take you out of this life. God will meet you and answer your prayer according to your need. Amen. Let's stand this morning, would you?
What is the role of God today? Husband. What is the role of the husband? Protector and provider. Because remember, no matter if he supplies and can't protect, he can give you something and somebody can take it away. So first, he's your protector. I am a shield. Remember what the shield is? Shield of faith. Put on the whole armor of God and above all, above all, take the shield of faith and hold it above all everything else. And I am your rewarder. What is it? Hebrews what? Six? What more? Blessed is God. What did, because he is a rewarder that diligently seeks him. It's impossible to please God. Watch. Without faith it's impossible to please God. For he that is coming to God must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. How can you seek God without having a need? What are you seeking him for if it's not for a need? You don't even pray without a need. What's the use of prayer without a petition or a need? You say, well, I could thank God for this and thank God for that. Yes, but that's thanking God for what he's already protected and provided. So pretty soon we get comfortable in having our supply met. Every one of us today in our level is comfortable. You're not worried about food when you leave here. If you are, well, see me. We're not worried about having another suit of clothes. So we get complacent. We get comfortable in what we need. So God said, well, okay, I've blessed you through these years. I've kept you through the wilderness. Now I'm going to put you to the test. You're going to have to go across Jordan. And you're going to have to confront the walled up cities. And you're going to have to exercise your faith in my word. And you're going to keep your mouth shut, so to speak. Walk around the city. Walk around it. Walk around it. Then everybody at one time, on the seventh time, that's where we're at now. Shout. That shout to me is the trump of God. We are going to perform and give for the shout. Because when your need is met supernaturally and our joy overflows and it will it will witness a group of people with a revelation that's different than anyone else and he will let you, let you stay here very long because the world will come after you to destroy you so he's kept us in this little seclusion this little group clothed us, perfected us, survived for us, prospered us, led us through, probably teach us, teach us, teach us. He said, okay, now then, now it's time for you to become an adult. Paul said, when I was a child, I spoke or I prayed like a child. Oh, God, give me this. Oh, God, give me that. Oh, God, help me. Oh, God. But when I become a man, I put away childish things. I don't pray like a child anymore. I pray like an adult. I come to the perfection. I know the will of God. I know the name. 
I know the power. I've got the key that unlocks heaven. I have access to God. So I'm going to take the name of Jesus. And I'm going to unlock the presence and the power that's already here. And you will see every need that you have met tangibly, supernaturally, by the presence of Almighty God. Let's bow our heads this morning for the word of prayer. Father, I know and you know there are needs in this building. We have called the elders forth, anointed them with oil, confessed our faults, and prayed. Many people has prayed individually in a home, fathers and mothers and wives and children. And many, if they were true, would admit that they have seen no tangible results of the prayer. We know that your word is true. We know that we are the heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Therefore, being of the faith of Abraham, we know that you are the God that protects us and you are the God that provides. And this morning we come to you and ask you, what will you give us? And your word says, what do you need? Father, there's some in here that needs healing from cancer. There's some in here that needs this and needs that. Your prophet made a statement. He said, pick up the word of God. Put that word of God in the hand of faith. And he said, what do you need this morning? You have need of water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ? He said, the pool's open. Do you have need of the baptism of the Holy Ghost? God is here trying to press His way into you now. Do you have need of healing? He said, by the very God Himself, the Holy Ghost, the Word, that's been made power is right here now. The very power of discernment looking out upon this audience here now, seeing the light whirling around us. Have I ever told you anything that was wrong? We remember, Lord, when your prophet was out in the woods hunting. And you spoke to him just as you spoke to Moses and to Abraham. And he told us, I hear that voice again. And that voice said, you are hunting game. How many do you need? How many do you need? Not how many do you want. How many do you need? The prophet being a man said, now, I don't want to overdo this, Lord. No. Don't want to ask for too much. But I need three red squirrels because that's the limit. And he said, I'm going to give them to you. Just speak the word and they shall come. Sister Hattie Wright, Brother Bound, that word is nothing but the truth. That spirit said, give her what she has need of. Sister Hattie, you're poor. You, you, you need money. God will put a pot of gold on this table if you'll just say the word. You got a daughter laying there sick. He'll heal her in an instant. Just speak the word. She said, I need the salvation of my two children. He said, you can have it. God will meet you at your need this morning. 
But what I want to assure you and try to get across is this. I want you to understand it over and over your mind. I can have my need met regardless of the situation or the cause of how I got here. If you believe that, that God is here, and I'm telling you in the name of the Lord, that presence is here this morning, challenging us to exercise our faith in the Word of God. You say, Father, I have need of whatever that need is. Make sure it is a need now. I have need of healing of this cancer, this demon. In the name of Jesus, receive your answer with the guarantee that God heard you and He will give you the petition of your heart. Our joy is going to be full. And our fullness comes by you receiving your needs met. That you can have the victory over death, hell, and the grave. Have victory over your mindset and the failures of our humanity. That don't mean nothing to God. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask that your Holy Spirit now will confirm, convict, and produce the degree of desire. That they will touch you at the point of need. Reveal yourself to them through this problem. That you are their healer, their savior, their, their comforter, their financer, their provider. Whatever the need may be, you know. And may they ask you in faith believing. Knowing that they shall receive it. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. And everybody said amen. Amen. believes this morning. Amen. Praise God.